0: This is gamesatwork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone, and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with.
1: This is episode 445, Paper Thin Transparency. Hello. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. Good all kinds of things. Happy Friday! It is time again for another edition of Games at Work Biz, and I'm Michael Martin, joined by my fantastic co-hosts, Mr. Michael Rowe and Mr. Andy Piper. Michael, how are you doing today?
0: I'm well and ready to rock and roll. Andy, how are you?
1: Very good. Thanks, guys. Let's. Uh, yeah, let's get going. All right. Awesome. Well, um, I'm glad to be back with you guys. I I caught the train and I caught the messages on the train. And that's the first article that we got. Uh, Apparently, we have some Polish hackers that managed to miraculously repair the trains that had been turned into bricks. And uh, the train manufacturers are looking to turn those Polish hackers into bricks here, too, apparently. Um. (laughs) Fun story, but that's pretty much what the what the story is, isn't it?
2: Yeah, we talked about this last week, and this is the flip side of the story. So not only had this Polish train manufacturer bricked their own trains if they were in the wrong places, um, allegedly, and arguably whether they were in the right, wrong or right place, um, 404 media, which is becoming a really good site to follow tech news, um, particularly spicy. Topics um Ooh, is now reporting that. they, this company's threatening the hackers that uh unbrick the 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 trains. Of course it's given folks like Cory Doctor O uh, an open door to say, We told you so, this is bad. You you're you're just like John Deere, uh right to repair, etc. Very cool.
1: Well, not really cool, but it's a, a emerging, <laughs> evolving story. And as we've been talking for years now about uh, embedded devices and a whole lot more, um, you know, if, if it's a license, you don't own it. <laughs> and how that is playing out in the real world is this is just one example of trains that hit a particular mileage uh, number or they are in a location for repairs and things don't quite work out the way you want them to. So we'll keep an eye on this story, and uh, I I will have to tune more into the 404 uh, to understand more of what they've got, especially the spicy stuff, right? Um, Moving along, uh, we have a couple of interesting articles uh, dealing with uh, wood and wood-related products. this first one here is one that all of us saw one way or another about transparent wood. Uh, I wanted to do a Norwegian wood thing, but it's not, it's a German wood thing. It's at least it started there by a botanist named Siegfried Fink, uh, who Siegfried. wanted to create, <laughs> wanted to create transparent, uh, wood to be able to see what was in it. And it has some remarkable properties now, doesn't it? When you go through this process. Yeah, I mean it's really cool. It's
2: basically bleaching the wood and then taking out the um, various things to remove the pigment from from the wood, and you end up with this material, which turns out to be a really good insulator. Uh, well,
0: the other thing is they 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 infuse it with an epoxy, right? Yes, uh, which uh, makes it hard too. So not as a, a good insulator, but it's structurally better than than glass. Or some plastics.
2: Yeah, but it, as it points out, it still does have that some material in it, so that it's not as transparent as traditional glass can be.
0: I, I like the I like the wood grain look, though. It kind of artistic. Thought that was kind of cool because it is what wood grain.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and being able to do more with this. I mean, you can imagine that this is now something that you could use to strengthen glass, right? So there are people that have screen protectors. Could you have a screen protector made out of, uh, geez, what uh, what used to be a birch tree, you know, potentially, right? Um, so in- interesting process here to get where they need to go. And there's a French company called Woodoo that I wanna look into a little bit more here. I and mean, that's- W-O-O-D-O-O. I mean, there's a we Pokemon called pseudo woodie. Yeah, <laughs> pseudo. Well, that's how you get it, Andy. Right. Um. So, mo- moving along from from uh, processed wood in this particular form, we have processed wood in a different form. Well, it's more digital. It's research papers, and according to Nature, there was a a a, a large number. They were using icebergs here, but I was trying to think—a forest, a forest of research papers, perhaps that were retracted in 2023. And Michael, you had an interesting observation about the the nature uh, of some of these papers that have been retracted, right?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, the article kind of goes through this. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, The you know some of these articles being retracted are where somebody made a mistake, right? They they had a problem in their research and they had a Pulled themselves. Uh, the other is a large number of IEEE articles that were presentations at conferences, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, all three of us have been to lots of conferences in our years. And uh, sometimes you listen to a presentation, you go, huh? well, I guess they took those and got them published and now had to retract them because they were full of crap. <laughs> uh and 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 then it was also interesting just to kind of see the mix of where they're coming from right uh from a from a uh regional aspect
1: yes and and the article does talk about paper mills which i I think is kind of funny (laughs) because they're not talking about ones that process wood into paper but rather uh, groups that uh, spin off a whole bunch of these sort of things and the the St- what struck me about this particular article and what i found interesting was the fact that we've been talking a lot about the training of ai models yeah. and where do you train ai models you train it oh, based yeah. upon information and how yep. do you feed them well people and researchers write stuff so if you retract a paper how does that right to be forgotten if you will mm-hmm. uh now find its way into the large language models well, well, that won't, these papers, in the old models
0: right right cuz you know you got GPT-2, GPT-2-5, GPT-3, those are yeah,
1: that's That's future. That's future. So if you publish an article today and it turns out that tomorrow it's it should be retracted, whatever that tomorrow is, it could have been ingested into either a large language model or into some kind of AI. And that's yeah, and problematic. That, and that's
0: my exact point. You have models that are in use still that have been trained a while back on this bad data. Mm-hmm. They don't go back and rebuild those models.
1: Oh, no. Oh, no, that's not at problem. all. And and yeah, and, and, and well, that's that is an additional problem on top of the other problems. So do you need to have <laughs> now a large down. language model? <laughs> do you need to have a large language model of retracted information that you now call as a router or that you use as a filter to then say, oh, Hey, these things have been retracted. So, if you're producing insight based on your current large language model, whether it's two, three, four, whatever, you can now extract out of the answer model. things that are incorrect.
0: A fact yes. model.
1: <laughs> yes. So, I to me, this this particular article in Nature just had lots of different angles to it, and the, the nature of of how many of these paper mills do exist, and for what purpose. Right researchers uh folks that work at universities and companies and the like have to produce research as part of their jobs that's what they're supposed to do so now you have that particular incentive structure too about generating research that may in fact now be based on research that was redacted so how do you now go backwards in time to say the paper that I wrote, which is based upon a, a paper that had been redacted is, but is, in part, Is that any now difference? I have to adjust mine.
0: Is that any different than a bad practice that a normal researcher might do? They found some evidence that proved something that they want to do or that they want to research and they go with it. They don't go back, you know, Midway through their their research and go back and vet that the stuff is still valid uh,
1: they don't now we're not talking about journalistic integrity here right because there's a different yeah. layer there yes, we're talking scientifically and so it, at the time it was established fact yep it was used and now in the future that established fact is no longer the case so if the premise from a redacted I, 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 piece of work boom
0: yeah. yeah no i I'm just saying. A researcher today, it's the same problem that they have today if they use manual methods to do their research. Yeah. I don't think it's an LLM, LLM unique thing. I don't think it makes it any better either. But
1: <laughs> Well, the acceleration of the creation of knowledge is going to happen as a result of all of these LLMs and AI-enabled Acceleration of research is is part of what I'm putting forward. So if you take these uh, wave forces together, they are going to amplify one another. And as they amplify one another, the problem is going to get larger. And the only way you're going to be able to deal with it is another AI that does this work for you, which will have those same inherent flaws. You you know what else will accelerate
2: Mm -hmm. problems? It's if you're… TV records pictures of what you're watching all the time and tells someone else about it and
1: you get served lots of bad quality advertising, for example. Well, it's not just a serving of advertising. I mean, there's some out there that'll say that that's an issue and and there's probably some that are like, I don't want to be served up advertising like this. Um, The larger is is your sense of privacy in general. So, I can't say that, at least in my case, um, I'm happy using a very old TV that does not have a number of these smart TV features. I I can say that. I don't know that I want a new TV to be able to serve up these features. Um, I have one in one room of my house. And I read the article that you shared here, Andy. I went to the various um, how do you opt out? of these functions and as i was trying to opt out of the functions which i think i opted out already some years ago on that particular tv it asked me to accept all of those options to allow me to log into the website to opt out of them
0: yeah (laughs) talk talk, talk, talking about bad behavior
2: so a a related thing that happened yesterday which came up after i would found that story to share with you was that we went to a Wire concert, one of my friends was performing and a uh, music director every year of the same event. They, they throw in a lot of uh, popular music songs in choral arrangements. So this particular one last night, there was some Kate Bush, there was some Radiohead, which was incredible. Oh, nice. But one of the ones that I'd not come across was this uh, song by Vienna Tang from about 10 years ago. Called uh, "Hymn of Acne Axiom," um, which she did as a pop song, I believe, A folk mm-hmm. pop song. But this was done as an actual hymn with a full choir um, arrangement, and the lyrics to this song are all about the U.S. Uh, company Axiom, that. Basically tracks your habits to sell to companies to sell you more stuff. And uh, I'll try and find uh, uh, the actual lyrics of it, but it was uh, it was brilliant. It was really really good. I'd never heard it before.
1: Oh yeah, d- do I will have to include that in the show notes for sure. Yeah, but but you know this is this is all part of. I don't even want this. I don't even want a new TV <laughs> because I'm worried that I'm gonna have to go right. through all this stuff. There's a
2: great. Right. line in this um the, the very end of this song which goes um we'll build you in endlessly upward world embrace you for all your worth the uh, worth is that wrong isn't that what you want
1: amen hmm. <laughs> of course it is that's what you want i don't want to have to open up a tv and do a battery ectomy or or a microphone ectomy on it you know there's a don't benefit
0: to having a pie hole you, yeah. can, you can capture all those t- telemetry sites and just have them go to nothing.
1: <sighs> so, so speaking of which I, I did manage to get uh, a PI five ordered. So very good. Yahoo. It's nice. four gigabytes instead yeah. of eight, but you know, it's uh you know, it's, it's a, it's a start to be a good machine. I'm excited. Um, so we've got we've got some some AI uh, VR AR kind of stuff going on here too, and and one exciting little bit is the notion that Second Life is coming to a phone near you. Well, we've heard this uh, through they,
0: the year. They've been talking about this for a while, but this is now actually yes. showing the alpha. Yes, yes, which we can't use. It's pretty good. If, if, and I can't use yet.
2: Yes. Yeah. But it does look good. <laughs> because who knew they got a premium plan.
1: Yeah. do 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 you have a premium plus plan? I do not, Michael. Nope. I do not either. Nope. Okay. So three of us are. I'm not going to opt in not just here. for the sake of trying the alpha, but I am very curious.
0: It does look very nice. Yeah,
1: it 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 does. And you know, if you had a headset that could do this, that might even be better than the phone experience. I would say, possibly, because Soon. holding your phone, little bit of small thing. Yeah. Okay, we've had that that argument before. Um moving along, uh talking about headsets. Uh Xbox Cloud mm. gaming is now available, according to this article from The Verge on MetaQuest VR headsets. Is that available? It, oh, maybe. it looks like it's on all of them, isn't yes. it? Two, it's, three, or pro it's not just right? on the three. I was talking to somebody
2: yesterday and they said, Oh, it's on the three, and I said, No, it's on the two as well. I'm this is I absolutely want to try this. I haven't done it yet. Because I, this story only came out a couple of days ago. Uh, it should be a really nice way. Could be a really nice way of experiencing games.
1: Very it's cool. limited to the you, games that have are to available in what's cloud. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still not on the Xbox platform myself, but I'm, I'm giving it a little bit of thought here and there. So, what does this mean? Too many things to spend money on, uh. right? Too many things to spend money Mm -hmm. on is what it boils down to. Um, If we turn our thoughts now a little bit to kind of sort of a a VR, AR story that is from the company called BitHuman. Um, They are advertising AI agents for enterprises. And I don't remember if we've talked about them before. I didn't search through our archives to see if this company.
0: They sound familiar? I, I know they, we've they talked do. about companies trying to do things like this for some time, all the way back to, uh, you know, oh uh, God, it wasn't My Virtual Model, but they were using the My Virtual Model graphics for their chat avatars. Uh, and so mm-hmm. this is just an AI backed version of a chat avatar using a uh, high res humanistic graphics, right?
1: I, that's That's my sense. And when I took a look at their website, um, they don't tell you an awful lot. They've got three different kinds of offerings. But the article from VentureBeat that I found really intriguing had a line in it that says, uh, Neo, which is one of their offerings, a versatile service AI adapts to a company's ethos. So part of me was thinking, okay, now we're back to large language models and we're back to training. Could you, might you, be able to describe your company's core values, a priorities, clients, et cetera, and have an agent like this ingest it and then be able to reflect who and what you are in terms of such an avatar. I,
0: I, was, we, I was listening to a really good analysis on venture funding pouring into all these AI companies that are all thin veneers in front of ChatGPT, right? (laughs) And how uh, Sam Altman uh, and the ChatGPT team have decided to open up a store, right? Within, in their environment, which will kind of kill many of those startups (laughs) because you won't have to do all this work through venture funding to get startup money just because you've skinned chat GPT. And what I worry about with things like this, worry is a strong word, uh, but how many times have you been on hold with an AI based chat system, yelling operator, real human (laughs) because you want to escalate an issue. And, I, all and the now you'll be doing because that because I know and that they're trained an AI, an AI avatar who looks kind of like a real human, and and hope that you just yell at it for a while, and it'll go. I'm sorry, I don't understand. People people
1: do what they're trained to do, and if we learn from experience that you um, get agitated because there's a sentiment analysis filter, uh, and that you use keywords like operator, human representative naturally, that's what's going to happen, right? Until it doesn't anymore. And then we'll be trained in a different way, won't we? K- kind of like your hymn there, Andy. <laughs> I recently joined a network and the
2: onboarding for that was delivered through one of these agents that is embedded in the page. And it's kind of like the uncanny valley face talking to you And it was really off-putting. So I'm just wondering, as we were talking about this, about how lifelike these agents are and how well this this might work for this particular company. I find it interesting. A lot of them are, I think increasingly I see things pivoting to enterprise um, in that space as well, presumably in an effort to, you know, suck up the big bucks early uh, rather than... (laughs) Relying on microtransactions transactions to put to prime the pump.
1: It's a who what wow mm. in the end, right? So something like this, if it's done right and well, could get you past the uncanny valley, or at least if you're interacting with a dinosaur, you kinda know it's not a human, right? So okay. But it could fine. be a
0: real dinosaur. It could be a real
2: <laughs> predator. Example,
0: yeah, it may not be human, <laughs> but it could be real. Yeah, it probably could is, it be an E pr- predator, probably
2: not human if it's predator. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: we've got two more quick hits to do before we run out of time, and I think both of them are intriguing stories to talk about. Uh, we've talked on this show about E3 a multitude of times, well, yeah, and uh. I'm 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 reminded of the uh the Costa uh uh cruise line. Every time they leave a port, uh it, the time has come to say goodbye. They would play that. And uh, apparently that's what they have said. Thanks for the memories, thanks for the fish, time to say goodbye. Bummer,
0: but not a
1: surprise. <laughs> yep. And and they didn't go the route of uh having a virtual experience and have people just show up and you know yeah, but show it, up with their avatars. We should be
2: a bit more respectful here. I think when we started the show, E3 and CES were huge sources yeah, of huge. news for the show and uh, excitement. So, uh, yes, yeah, you know it's interesting I, that this is one of them at the same time as the pandemic and you know in person conferences increasingly going away. But
0: well, they they, they realized they didn't need it. Because they didn't have it during the pandemic. They could do a bunch of stuff online. The manufacturers and the game studios are going direct to their customers. Mm. I
1: I would say it allows the product lifecycle to be at the control of the manufacturer or the company. right? Nintendo doesn't have to plan around when E3 is to make their major announcements. They can say, okay, we're going to make sure that we have an announcement in November Mm. to get excitement. For this particular thing, for the holiday cycle or whatever, um, so, so Andy, point well taken. I wasn't meaning to to make light of something like this ending because it's it is actually kind of sad. This is what brings lots of people together. You know, Michael's missing his CES crud. I'm well, sure, because he you know hasn't had that for I'm, years. I'm
2: thinking about this more broadly. It's an it's a marketing opportunity for us. It, it, our show. Ooh, brings together games at work and distills all of the exciting stuff from across the whole internet all year round. So, what I'm
1: saying Ooh, is, like, people A3 listen A3 to our every show every week. Yeah, wow. So, so if you basically what we're saying, Andy, is if you listen to games at work.biz, you don't need it on a regular basis, they never have needed e3. you're getting the benefit. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think what we're really saying is if you used to spend millions of dollars to put up a pavilion at E3, yeah. you could send one-tenth of that to us on a yearly basis, yeah. and we will present information about all the cool stuff that you and your competitors are working
1: on. Yeah. Wow. Or you could sit back and we'll do it for free. <laughs> Oops, wait. Did I say that out
0: loud? No. <laughs> I can edit that out.
1: <laughs> oh, Good. Good. So so the last thing that we do not want to edit out is a mashable article. Uh, we, we love our space stuff and space tech here on our space show. Um we've we've got a like a flying ro- rover hover bot that is going to land on Titan, apparently. Yeah. Uh the, the spacecraft's called the Dragonfly. Doesn't that sound cool? Eight hundred yeah, million, million miles away.
0: Yeah, I've been following yeah. this for a few years now uh, through the Planetary Society. Really excited about this, and if you, you remember ingenuity, right? Yeah, it's still mm-hmm. there—the little mo- mosquito-sized one flying around, mosquito, haha, right, uh, flying around on Mars. Uh, and what what I found really interesting is um, the atmospheric conditions that allow you on Mars you had this little tiny one that rotors are going crazy just to do small trips and the thickness yeah. of the atmosphere on titan is so thick <laughs> that you got this one that's 800 pounds yeah. or more that's just do 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 you know uh, now so, how 1000 um, pounds excuse me
2: have they prototyped something that large as a quadcopter on earth can they even do that yeah
0: it, it, there's a video attached to the article, actually, that shows a demonstration of yeah, the
2: Dune of it. drone. Yeah, it's very cool. I mean, as listeners know, I carefully read and review every article before bringing it to <laughs> your ears. So, of course, I've seen the video.
0: Well, if somebody wanted to to uh, send us feedback, uh, not by drone, send how us would the title, some other method, <laughs> send us 800 million miles from their ears. <laughs> this is going well.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we're we're on we're on the Fediverse. You can reach us on Mastodon. You can drop us a link. You can comment on our shows on GamesAtWork.biz. Our home on the internets and interwebs for a number of years, and we encourage that. As we're closing down this year, this is your opportunity to get your best insights, show notes, ideas, and stories that you're seeing to us. So we would love to have that. We'd love to close the year out on a strong note. So get on it, people. Do it. <laughs> see you. Until next time, we'll see, see you. Yeah.
0: Bye. You've been listening to gamesatwork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at, games at work underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz.